Psalm 116. We have, uh, since we've started our study in the Psalms, we've, we've hit one Psalm per night and we've hit it in its entirety and we're going to do that again tonight. But, uh, and I think there's some benefits for that. Uh, but you could spend a lot of time in Psalm 116. And so hopefully tonight, really all we're doing is, is, is wetting your appetite and, uh, Given you some encouragement to go back and and uh, meditate and glean more from it. Psalm one sixteen. Let me just read. It says, "I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications, because He hath inclined His ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold of me." I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech Thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and He helped me. Return unto Thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with Thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. O Lord, truly, I am Thy servant. I am Thy servant and the son of Thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to Thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people, in the court of the Lord's house, in the midst of Thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord." Uh, so, once again, we have two more psalms that are in this collection of these Hallel psalms, praise psalms, hallelujah psalms, and this is certainly one of them. Uh, this is a little different, though, than the psalms that we've been reading in this section of the, uh, of the book of psalms. Uh, this uh, is a psalm that is a very personal psalm. Uh, many of these have been collective in the sense of um, uh, the congregation or the group uh, speaking of uh, some narrative or something like that. This is, this is a personal experience. Um, you can break this psalm up really into two, uh, two big chunks, verses 1 through 8. And the heading I would put there is a faithful God in crushing trials. Faithful God in crushing trials. And then verses 9 through 19, a thankful servant compelled to love. Um, and so this is a psalm where we can, uh, if you've been walking with the Lord and you have had any amount of reflection on your life, you can find yourself here pretty easily. Um, and so let's just, let's just start. Uh, so verses 1 through 8, faithful God in crushing trials. We begin in the first two verses with an intro. Um, 
The psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Now it's a, it's an intro that's pretty easy to just fly through. Um, what's stated here is, is not surprising. There's nothing, um, really even that catches us as, uh, being unique about this intro, but it's one that we ought to give a little bit of attention to. It starts out this way. I love the Lord. This is a declaration, by the way. The, the psalmist is, is declaring this at the outset of this testimony that he's about to give. I love the Lord because... I love the Lord because... It's a. I mean, we stopped there and we haven't finished yet, but it really does remind us of First John chapter four verse nineteen. That is that we love him because he first loved us, and the point here is that the psalmist's love and my love and your love toward God is always a response. It's always a response to His love toward us. Okay, and that's what's being set up here in Psalm 116. He's starting uh, He's starting out with the end at the beginning. Okay, so He's starting out by saying, before I get to any of the messy details of this, and before I tell you about the trial and the difficulties that I went through and how God worked in my life, I just want you to know, I love the Lord because... He loved me. Now, we set that over and against God's love. And we were here maybe last week. I know we've been here a few times in the recent past. Um, where in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, God is speaking to, um, to Israel and He tells them, I didn't set my love upon you because you were, and he says a few things. And, and essentially he says, if you look at Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 through 8a, he says, I set my love on you because I loved you. I mean, that's the because. I loved you because I loved you. It's far different than I love the Lord because he heard my cry, isn't it? It's this love that it, there's the only cause is is really the heart of God itself. And so he begins, I love the Lord. Because and then he gives us because. He heard my voice. Because he heard my prayer. Because he inclined his ear toward me. Now, again, these realities are easy to fly through. I mean, this, these are what the Psalms are all about. There's, I mean, if you were to look through um, and, and look for areas where, or Psalms where, the psalmist is talking about how God heard his voice or answered his prayer or inclined his ear. I mean, there's, there's plenty to be found. But think about this reality. The God of heaven and earth, the psalmist says. And by the way, we have no idea who wrote this psalm. There's no indication of that. 
He says, he heard my voice. There's a intimate acquaintance going on there. I mean, out of all the people in the world, out of the population of the globe, God can identify you by your voice. Isn't that something? That's not a generality here. This is a very specific kind of attentiveness. He says, the Lord heard my voice. Secondly, he, he heard my prayer. Not only is God attentive, not only is he intimately acquainted with, I mean, we could, we could, you know, if we go further into the New Testament and think about not only does he know our voice, he knows how many hairs are on our head and he knows when the next one's fallen. I mean, this is real intimate stuff. He heard my prayer. He's not too busy. He's not overwhelmed with everything that's going on in the world. He's not neglectful. He's not, well, he's not hindered. We come to the Lord. We lift our voice in prayer and he hears it. And he goes on even further. And he says in verse uh, two, I love him because I'm, I'm adding that because because he hath inclined his ear unto me is inclined his ear unto me. Now the picture here is that God bent down or stooped down to give attention to what was being said. Um, it's the same thing you see a lot of times between adults and kids when kids are speaking to an adult and an adult kneels down just to kind of get on face-to-face level with a kid. Or maybe when someone is having a difficult time um, hearing, they do one of these. The, the point is, God is giving very careful attention to what's being said. I mean, you would think that just because he heard my voice or because he heard my prayer, but it, it goes even further than that. God is, is interested in what you have to say. We cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. The word care in the second, uh, the, the, the second care is he has concern for us. He is attentively concerned for his people. So he says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. He heard my prayer. He inclined his ear. And because of that, or therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. And you've got a psalmist here who has some experience with God, don't you? You want to know how to grow deeper in prayer? Keep living. That's part of it. Keep living. Now, prayer's a discipline. Okay? We, we, uh, we, we maintain a disciplined prayer life with the Lord on purpose, and that's something that is, uh, Necessary, really, for spiritual growth. But, you know, the Lord knows how to uh, make undisciplined people disciplined, particularly in the area of prayer. 
He knows how to bring you to a place to where the only thing you have left is to cry out to God and marvel in the reality that He hears you and inclines His ear to your prayers, that He delivers you. And so this is how the psalmist starts out. I love Him because when I pray, He listens. Now, now think about, again, the... The opposite of that. And really, what would be a cause of prayerlessness, I would say that for anybody, if your prayer life is sparse and inconsistent, that deep down in your heart, part of the problem is that you don't really believe God's hearing what you have to say. Or you don't believe it's a big deal that God's hearing what you have to say. I guarantee you, if we thought someone whom we esteemed highly in a human standpoint was going to listen when we spoke, we wouldn't miss their phone call or they wouldn't miss, you know, we, we wouldn't neglect giving them the call. If I, if I were to say, you know, for some of you who have, uh, been around for a long time, and if I were to say, hey, uh, I got off the phone with Brother Bradley a few minutes ago, and he said he wanted you to call him about 8 o'clock if you could. I bet you wouldn't go home and forget that. I bet you'd make the call. Those of you who know him and love him and care for him. So this whole idea of prayer and prayerlessness really does hinge on, do we really believe that God hears us? That He's interested in what we have to say? That He answers? So let's keep going or we'll get bogged down. Number one, we have this introduction. Number two, we have this crushing trial. Verses three and four. It says, The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech Thee, deliver my soul. So we have this description of the trial. He says, sorrows, the sorrows of death compassed me. Now, sorrows here is plural, right? It's the pains, the snares, the, the, the difficulties of, of, of death. They compassed me. That is, they surrounded me. They were on every side. It wasn't just that I had a one-dimensional problem. This was multidimensional. It was everywhere. Okay, It was a problem, we could say it this way, that was consuming. I couldn't get away from it. He says, the pains of hell took hold of me. That is the trouble, the distress. And then he said, uh, or he says here, and I found trouble. That is a tight place of adversity, affliction, anguish, stress. So I found trouble and sorrow or grief. It could be talking about trouble and as far as the outward pressures and grief as far as the inward response. But he has this crushing trial. We, we don't really know exactly what it is. Some, some, uh, wonder if this was a 
physical disease that the psalmist thought he was going to die from. One of the beautiful things about the psalms is, and the way that they're written is that it doesn't really matter what it was. He describes it specifically enough that we understand this was a very hard trial. I mean, you start talking about the sorrows and the, of death and the pains of hell. That's pretty specific. It's general enough, though, that you and I could think about the own, our own trials that we've gone through that we could describe this way. Painful, sorrowful, a tight place. This Hebrew word for trouble really is a very descriptive word. You, you know what it's like to go through very painful circumstances, whether we're talking about stresses that are outward or we're talking about grieving in your heart. What it, you know what it means for your world to just shrink down into a small, tight place to where that's just about all you can think about, all you can give your attention to. Everything revolves around whatever that pressure is, whether it's inward or outward, and you find yourself in a very tight place. So what what did the psalmist do here? Well, verse 4 says, When I found myself here, verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. What was the response? The response was when this heavy, multifaceted trial really shrunk the psalmist's life down into a tight place, his response was to turn to the Lord and to call on the Lord for help. Here's a reality that we learn in the Psalms time and time and time again. You cannot control the pressures that come down on you in life, but you can always control how you respond to those pressures. You look at any of the Psalms of Lament, you look at any of the Psalms where you find crisis coming down in the psalmist's life, and you find this is true. He didn't invite this, this pressure, these trials, these difficulties. Um, just by the way he talks about these things, these were all outside of his control, and really they put him in a place that he didn't want to be. I mean, the, 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 the word there, uh, tight place, you're thinking about claustrophobia. You know, nobody likes to be in a tight place. He didn't want to be there. He'd love for his world to expand. And, and a lot of times there, there's an alternate word that's used there in the Hebrew to talk about widening. But what does he do? Well, he turns to the Lord and he calls on him to help. That's very basic, isn't it? Very basic. It's the stuff that sermons are made of. But so often, this is not our first response, is it? So often we turn to self-sufficiency. So often we turn to quick fixes. So often we turn to um, anything and everything but putting all of our eggs in the Lord's basket. He turns to God. He calls on Him. For help. And then we see 
this portrait of a faithful God in verses 5 to 8. He says, I turned to Him, I beseeched Him to deliver my soul. And then verse 5, Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and He helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. So he starts out this way. He starts out really giving some generalities about God that he's then going to make specific to his case. So he says, the Lord is gracious, or that is, the Lord is full of unmerited favor toward those who turn to him in need. Think about that. I mean, that just invites you to go to God in prayer, doesn't it? Unmerited favor. That is something that you don't deserve. It's not that the psalmist is saying, well, things have gotten tight. I've handled it pretty well, but let me let, let me call out to God and see if he can't kind of push me over the speed bump that I'm not able to fully pass. That's not what this is. It's it's Lord, I need your favor and I'm not bringing you anything in return for it. I'm not pretending like I'm adding anything to this. I need your help. The Lord is full of unmerited favor. Secondly, he says the Lord is righteous, or that is, the Lord is always faithful to do what is right. It's, it's not always what we think is right. Sometimes we have a hard time reconciling uh, what God has allowed and what we would have preferred. And at its core, this is a doctrinal problem with the character of God. He is righteous. That is, He always does what is right. And then third, the Lord is full of compassion or He's merciful. He's full of Compassion toward those who turn to Him in need. Again, these general realities about God that really just invite us to turn. And then the last general reality in in, uh, verse 6 is that the Lord preserveth the simple. That is, He guards, He protects, the simple or the foolish or the naive. Okay, This is just what God does. Aren't you thankful for that, by the way? How many times has God protected you in your foolishness? How many times has God spared you in, in, in just your naive thinking and pursuits? Well, this is just this is just who God is as it relates to his care for his people. By the way, when we think about this reality that God guards and protects the simple, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, uh, you don't need to leave this one behind. Okay, We haven't graduated from this. Um, folks who have been walking with the Lord for a long time still make stupid decisions. Still make foolish decisions. Not, not because they're chasing after foolishness, 
But God guards us and we are dependent on God guarding us from our own simplicity. So it's a great comfort here. It's also another reason for us to come to the Lord in prayer. So, so he gives us these generalities. The Lord is gracious and he's righteous and he's merciful and he preserves the simple. And then he turns around and starts to apply this to himself. He says, I'm not just, I'm not just saying this because it sounds good. I'm not just filling the page. God is these, he is these things. And then he says, I was brought low and he helped me. You want to know how I know that God is gracious and righteous and merciful and faithful to preserve the simple? Because he did all of that with me. That's what the psalmist is saying. All of that was poured out on me. And, and then he, he turns, as we see in the Psalms um, uh, fairly often, he turns and begins to speak to himself based on that reality. He's, he's still... he's taking a truth and seeking to apply it to his soul. Verse 7, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. There's a lot of things you can do with a text of Scripture as far as, you know, we can read it to pull out its theological merit. We can read it and look for its... Uh, practical application. Um, we can observe it and just kind of see what's there. One of the things, if we're observing and observant in verse 7, one of the things we see is a Holy Spirit-inspired strategy for laying hold of truths and seeking to apply that to our hearts. Now you've heard this before. You've heard me say it. You've heard other people say it. One of the best things we can do for ourselves in the midst of a trial is speak truth to ourselves. Okay, We're having this conversation with ourselves all the time, whether we're in a trial or not. The, the, the person who talks to you the most is you. And sometimes we need to do a lot less listening and a lot more speaking. And so the psalmist is saying, these things are true about God and God has helped me. And so soul return to resting in him. He can be trusted. You can rest here. Why? Because the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Here's the truth, and, and I was reminded of this this weekend. We were at the Collierville meeting, and Brother Thomas Mann was preaching, and, and um, he was talking about the uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and the, 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 what they were allowed to have, and then the, uh, the one tree that they couldn't eat from. And I've heard this before, but it's been a while. And, uh, and he said, you know, one of the things that we need to remember about God and how God works in the lives of His people. It's easy for us to focus in on the fact that there was one tree that they weren't able to eat from and forget about the hundreds, maybe thousands that they could. And here was his point. God always gives way more yeses than no's to His people. How many yeses have you received from God? 
How many times have you asked God and he said yes? And how prone are we to throw all those yeses out the window when we get one no? Um, Parents, it's the equivalent to something like giving one no to your children and their response being something like, you've always hated me. (laughs) Now, Lily's never done that, so I'm not talking about her, but I've heard of stories like that. Okay, And it's comical, isn't it? We're like that with God all the time. He has dealt bountifully with me, the psalmist says, and so my soul can rest in him. Um, and then he goes on to say that he, uh, let me let me see where I am here. Uh, the Lord preserves the simple. Return unto thy rest, verse 7. O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. So just essentially, he's dealt bountifully with me. He has delivered me in more ways than one. So we have this faithful God in a crushing trial. Now the last part of this, we're not going to go as slow. Because the last part is verses 9 through 19, we see a a thankful servant compelled to love. So just like we said earlier, what is it? What goes into a growing prayer life? And while discipline is definitely necessary... Uh, one of the other necessary ingredients of just it being an, uh, organically growing is just live life. Live life. Live it long enough and you're going to figure out how much you are, or how, how dependent you are upon the Lord. Well, the second part is the same and The question is, I want to love God more. Well, there are disciplines that go into that for sure. But disciplines cannot make up for time. And here's the point that I'm making. If you want to love God more, you've got to be walking with God. There's no secret book that you can read that will unlock the key to you loving God more. Now, there are plenty of helpful books out there, but there's no secrets like that. There's no secret verse in Scripture that whenever you finally understand it, it will unlock the key. Now, how do you do it? Well, if you want to grow in your love for God, then you have to taste His love for you again and again and again and again and again and again. And so... The psalmist here is compelled to love God. And you'll, you, you do notice there's some discipline in this. So this last half, the psalmist says, I will. We, we've pointed that out whenever the psalmist says that in other psalms. I will. It's verse 9, verse 13, verse 14, verse 17, verse 18. The psalmist is intentional. He is, he is going to do something. Now, the question in verse 12 is really what shapes the last section of this psalm. And the question is, what shall I render 
unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me. Okay, or if we, we take out that word render and we say it this way, what shall I give God in return for all his benefits toward me? So God has done all of this. What can I give him? What should I give him in return? Well, one reality that we have to understand is that the way this relationship works between us and God is that we need God. He does not need us. Okay, so there's, it's, not, it's not as if, you know, that there's something we can do in return and God says, okay, we're squared away now. Um, you'll be good for next time. Okay, that's not the way that works. So what can, what shall I give in return to God for all his benefits toward me? Well, I'm going to start in verse 13 and, and you'll see why in a minute. In verse 13, he says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Now, this cup of salvation is really it's a celebratory or a festival type um, cup that's 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 um, meant to communicate thanksgiving, gratitude, praise to God. So what shall I Give God in return for all of his benefits? Well, number one, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What do you say to a God who gives you everything and doesn't need anything? Well, we start out with thank you. Right? Thank you, Lord. And really, we could say it this way. What do you say to a God who gives you everything when you deserve nothing and he needs nothing? Right. Thank you. Thank you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Blessing God, thanking God, praising God. These are all synonymous things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Secondly, verse 14, he says, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. So so sometimes this phrase is used in a general way. I will pay my vows, but um, and it's going to come up again at the bottom of the psalm or at the end of the psalm. But but what vow? What's he what's he talking about? What's what's. uh, What's he paying? What's he doing? Well, if we back up to verse 9 through 11, here's at least a vow that he makes. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Now, here's the vow in verse 9. I will walk before the Lord. That is, I will walk in His presence. Uh, Barnes gives these. Barnes in his commentary gives these three realities to what it means to walk before the Lord. I will walk in His presence. I will walk in His service, and I will walk in communion with Him. Okay, these are vows. This is something I'm going to do. 
So I will walk with Him in His presence. I will walk in His service. And I will walk in communion with Him. That is, God is going to be who I'm putting my trust in and who I'm seeking to walk with. Now this is helpful whenever we get down to uh, the next couple of verses because they can be seem out of place. When verse 10, he said, I believe, therefore I've spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Okay, what, what does that mean and how does that fit? He just said, I'm going to walk with the Lord. All men are liars. What shall I render to my God? What's he saying there? Well, I think he's saying the same thing Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17 when he says, Cursed is the man that trusts in the arm of man. Okay? He's saying the help that I need is not, does not come from a human source. My trust is not in man. My trust is in God. In my affliction, I realize that. And so what shall I render to God for all of His benefits toward me? Now theologically it is true. We could take that as in the all men are liars in a total depravity sense, but I don't think that really fits in, in the psalm. So what shall I give to God in return for His benefits? Thanksgiving or gratitude? Obedience? Third, at verse 16, and some of this is overlap, but at verse 16, O Lord, Truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy hand, of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. What do you give God in return of all his uh, benefits? Well, servanthood. Lord, I'm your servant. Now, there's some obedience that, that, uh, goes along with that, but this is the way we see ourselves in relation to God. Okay, I am, I'm here to serve you. I, I, I'm here to, to honor you, to do what you would have me to do. Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. It's a posture of humility. How do we respond to what God's done for us? Well, in humility as a servant. And then lastly, in verses 17 through 19, he says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. What will I give God in return for all the benefits He's done toward me? I will be a witness to God's people of God's work in my life. When I give thanks, it's not just in private, it will be in public. When I, when I give testimony to this, it will be in the presence of God's people. This isn't a private thing. Now, it can certainly start out that way, but it's clear in verses 18 and 19 that he is going to pay his vows unto the Lord in the presence of all his people. So perhaps there he's, Inviting this accountability to up the ante. Yes, I'm going to walk before God and I'm going to make that declaration in front of His people. I'm also going to give thanks. I'm going to seek to live a life of humility and service and obedience. And I'm going to do all this in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of the old Jerusalem. 
Praise ye the Lord. So Psalm 116, you could, you could, we've hit the high point. You could spend more time this week and, uh, and get more out of this Psalm. It is packed full. A faithful God in a crushing trial and then a thankful servant compelled to love. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that you are a faithful God. Lord, we find ourselves at times in trials and we have no idea how we got there and we have no idea how we're going to get out. And we could go around the room tonight and talk about that in very specific ways with uh, uh, the people here. Uh, but Lord, the, the common denominator is that you've delivered your people out of all of our difficulties, out of all of our trials, and you will deliver us out of the ones that we're currently in. And so, Father, we praise your name. We thank you for all your benefits. And we pray that you would bless us to glean from Psalm 116 and follow the pattern laid out here from the psalmist, that it might bring you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.